Corey Sandhagen is a new breed now. Walking Buckley is spreading his seed now. With the fight selections and the fight reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast. Podcast for the above average MMA fan hosted by an above average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. We had an incredible fight card last night, ladies and gentlemen. There is no mistaking it. I've been saying it for weeks. These fight night cards that may not look so strong on paper always deliver. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of quarantine. uh, Or rather, just because we're in a pandemic and people have to be quarantined and they just sort of like, I don't know, go crazy on fight night. And it's like short notice, you know, they got to finish. I don't know what it is, bro, but these fights always deliver. I'm not going to talk about every fight, but there are a good number of these uh, uh, fights that I do want to cover. Um, first off, Tracy Cortez not knowing her opponent was a black belt. I was like, what? <laughs> like that was all they were talking about on the broadcast. And I'm not saying if if it's... You know, talked about in the broadcast that the fighters fighter should know about it. But I'm, what I'm saying is, I, I get that her opponent was a, was uh, was a short notice replacement. Like it was um, the the Swedish uh, girl, bless her heart. Um, can't remember her name at the moment. I think it, Eggers is the last name. I want to say Tracy Cortez didn't know she was a black belt. <laughs> they asked her in the in the post fight interview. I think Dan Hardy was like, "With her being a black belt, did you not want to go to the ground or whatever the fuck he said in his Nottingham dialect?" And uh, Tracy Cortez is like, "I didn't know she was a black belt. Maybe I wouldn't have been so uh, aggressive on the ground or whatever." I was like, "Damn, girl, do a little bit of research on like she's uh, a." I think a world champion in, in judo, I want to say like that's what they were saying, or, or she's definitely has a lot of prowess in that regard. I just was, I was so surprised about that, but a great win for Tracy as always. And uh, I want to shout out one of the best tweets I ever saw last night. I want to say it was from at autumn Norton. She's an Invicta fighter. She said, Tracy Cortez, if you're reading this, I can cook and clean and I will never cheat on you. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, dude. That is the best thirsting I've ever seen from one fighter to another. And then moving on, from, I, I don't think I could end that note any better as far as you know, Tracy Cortez is concerned. Um, now, there were a lot of other great fights uh, on the prelims, you know, Honorable mention to Bruno Silva and the Dagestan gentleman. Bro, Joaquin Buckley getting that jump spinning back kick. Oh, the best KO of all time. And I know like recency bias is definitely a thing. And whenever a big knockout happens, people say, oh, or like a amazing fight. That's like a war that all oh, fight of the year. And it's like, well, did you forget this fight? And you know what I mean? Like, dude, there is no question. This is KO of the year. There would have to be something spectacular to beat that. Even Dana White was on 
Instagram Live, and he came, he crashed the fucking post show uh, when Joaquin Buckley was getting interviewed by, um, I want to say Megan O'Leary. I just caught it briefly before I had to to switch off, but um, he even came over and like didn't even care. Like Dana White put his back to the camera. It wasn't like for anything else. He wasn't like trying to steal this. I mean, Dana White usually is trying to make it about himself, but like he didn't care to like be a big part of it. He was just like, I'm telling you, we're giving you a fucking massive bonus or whatever. He just went up his face. Dana White on Instagram Live was like, we should just give him $200,000 bonus because they have $200,000 allotted for bonuses, 50K to four people. And he was like, fuck, that's a $200,000 knockout right there. Um, and apparently he got a text from Sean Shelby that was just like, write that kid a check for 50K right now. Yeah, dude. That shit was insane. He goes for like a body kick, I want to say. Uh, could have been a, uh, a leg kick. It was definitely... It wasn't a calf kick if that was the case because those would have been like way more popular. It was If it was a low kick, it was for the thigh. It was like a leg kick, traditional. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was a body kick. Impa Kisangane catches it. Okay. Joaquin Buckley uses that to vault off of. So it was like his... I'm trying to describe it for anyone that didn't see or just to like relive it. Joaquin threw a, a, a left kick like from southpaw. Um... Impa caught it, and then he used that to jump and spin and kick him with his right leg with that sweet, sweet chin music. Oh, my God. Hit him right in the fucking uh, jaw. And Impa just like, oh, it was so epic, slow-mo. Like, I think Tev said he turned him into a scarecrow. That was just so, I mean, Tev is always on point. But um, it was just like so slow motion. It was like, Timber. My man just folded and the life left his eyes in that moment. It was scary as fuck. I'm not going to lie. But because of the, um, uh, like how he had to execute it with, with the jump move, he basically did a walk-off KO. Like he maybe already saw that it connected and that it was going to put him out, but the reaction was so delayed that I don't even think so. Like I think he just had to like, like the momentum propelled him already like to walk off. And then he was like, okay, yeah, we're done here. Um, and the ref like called it. I was like, shit, dude, that's insane. And I have to, I have to give props to, to Kairos on this because, uh, Joaquin Buckley made his debut against Kevin Holland not too long ago. And he did well, not gonna lie. Um, it wasn't like, I thought he was not going to be anything, but Kevin Holland sort of made it look so easy and put him away that I was like, okay, this guy still has to get his feet wet a little bit. Bro, his feet were drenched as far as I'm concerned, if, they, if we're making that analogy. He, he was like, all right, now I'm in the UFC. Time to do fucking work like y'all expected. And he beat the dog shit out of Impa Kasangane. That was an amazing fight, man. And it's so funny, too, like what with Impa's... Um, Mohawk, he was reminding me a lot of Uriah Hall. Like Uriah, Uriah Hall used to have that Mohawk. Might might even still have it. Um, however, the knockout itself reminded me of Uriah Hall's knockout over Gegard Mousasi, which is he was like on the receiving end of it, which is unfortunate. But Gegard like went in for a takedown or something, and uh, Uriah Uriah hit him with a jump spinning back kick. Um, difference is it wasn't like vaulted off you know, catching the kick. So it was, it was a different situation, but wow, dude, that was unbelievable. People are going to be talking about this knockout for a long time. Uh, apparently the tweet that the UFC put out, um, 
was what I think one of their most liked tweets they said or something like that or maybe it was like the the most in the in the the most likes in a certain amount of time it was the like fastest whatever maybe the most of the night I don't know but like I looked when they said that which was like maybe 20 minutes after it happened and the shit had like 122,000 likes I was like okay check this morning it had like 300,000 so it's still gaining steam oh my god I, I just can't say enough good thing I'm like I'm like fucking losing my mind over Joaquin Buckley right now so Oh, I was shouting out Kairos earlier because on the Shots Fired podcast, and if you listen to the WoCast um, this week, um, I mentioned it in my my voice question to them. But uh, in the Shots Fired podcast, um, G and Kasangane were absent. No, Kasangane. I just missed up Kasangane and Chisangane. Chisanga Malata. I, li- I know Chisanga Malata. I follow him. He's the man. Um, but um, Chisanga Malata and G were not there and so it was just like Kairos holding court and taking Mike to school and he was talking about Joaquin Buckley that he is thinking it was going to be like a coming up party I was like I was like man I think this is going to be one for Impa nope dude and and that's unfortunate because I still think Impa has the tools to be something really great in that division but it's hard to not transfer those same feelings to to Joaquin Buckley now you know what I mean it's like holy shit so, very much looking forward to him. I hope he gets a, a top five, not top, well, that's too fucking soon, top 15 opponent as well, I was going to say, or maybe top 20. I don't know um, exactly about the rankings. You know, like one, after 15, it's just sort of like they don't really publicize it, um, is what I'm saying. And I want to um, shout out a, a fantasy matchup I saw on Twitter. I don't often like those because it's like, like, what are we doing? Like, we're not matchmakers. It's not going to be whatever. But um, someone put up a tweet about, like, what about Chemayev? And they put the two pictures of, like, Joaquin and Chemayev. Sign me up for that. Uh, I hope Joaquin sends him to the shadow realm. Bro, this guy. Oh, my God. When Neil when Neil Magny put out that tweet saying he wants to fight Hamzat, he was like, apparently no one wants to fight this guy. Let me like feed him to me or whatever. And I was like, I commented, I was like, beat this motherfucker, Neil. Yeah. And that was like the end of September. I remember like because I read the notification, I was like, huh? September 28th is when I tweeted that. This guy on Fight Night responded to me. Going, first of all, you're the motherfucker. Second of all, Hamza is going to eat him alive. And I was like, took you two weeks to come up with that, bro. Good job. You did well. Not really. Anyway, looking forward to Joaquin Buckley. And I got to say, Tom Breeze being open about his mental health and getting a KO that nasty on World Mental Health Day is probably the most beautiful thing I can think of. I mean, if you haven't... um, seen any interviews with Tom Breeze recently, go back and find them. Um, he did some amazing uh, interviews talking about his struggles with mental health and depression and, and things of that nature. I really highly recommend it. Um, I actually saw it because of um, an article from my favorite writer, which I'm going to get into later. Um, she knows who she is. Uh in the the preview for her like she does like a preview of the card in like a like the best way anyway tom breeze is the fucking man and i knew this about him and yeah they were talking about the broadcast like how the fuck did he ever make walter weight weight cutting is so bad dude like why does a guy that 
massive who's bigger than most 85ers think that he needs to go down to 170. Like, like that's why he had um, sort of a lackluster fight with Sean Strickland at UC 199 when I was there because the motherfucker was dehydrated. Uh, no, when he's at 185, he knocks motherfuckers out. Out. Love Tom Breeze. And I got to say also, me encanta Ilya Topuria. Guy just made his debut. Rest in peace, Yusuf Zalal. <laughs> I don't mean literally, obviously. That maybe was a... Uh, it, it was funny when I wrote it. Um, now, looking back, maybe it's in poor taste. Uh, but what I meant to say, or what I meant by that, is that um, super high on, on Yusuf Zalal. And I still am. I'm not going to abandon this because the fact that he didn't get he didn't tap from those chokes and he didn't go out and he somehow survived them like holy shit next level toughness um but i, I still think he he might have a, a bit to work on as far as his fight iq and i don't know if it says something about that or about Ilya's power uh when Ilya was clearly like trying to make it a grappling fest um and then i think it was in the third round zalal was like shooting on him i, I like turned away and all of a sudden they're they're up, up against the cage and and zalal was like was trying to get a double leg. I was like, bro, he was strangling you like multiple times for several minutes on the ground. Why are you trying to take him down? Um, I just couldn't believe that. And then, and then like, uh, Tupuria was gassed, which, um, which means it'll all open up a bit. And then, uh, Ilya capitalized on it again. Fuck. Anyway, Ilya is so good. Um, shout outs to, um, to him and his camp. That was an amazing win. And was it him? I think it was him who had like a really amazing like chest tattoo. I always like to shout out um, good tattoos in MMA because there's so many horrible ones. And uh, I'm getting my second tattoo next month. So I've been really like looking at tattoos a lot lately, like trying to find. I got my artist. Um, I found my artist finally. Um, but I've been look, looking all over. I really wanted the guy that did some of Ash's tattoos, but he's on the West Coast. Like I can't, I'm not, I don't got it like that where I can just like fly across the country to get a tattoo and then fly back anyway yeah amazing performance from from Ilya Tupuria very much looking forward to what he's going to bring to that featherweight division or lightweight anyway he's going to bring it to one of those divisions now Tom Aspinall is the reincarnation of Frank Mir um and not exactly but it, first of all we already know this they belabored it um enough he fucking looks like young Frank Mir. He looks just like young Frank Mir. Um, but like early Frank Mir was like subbing dudes really quick. Tom Aspinall was like knocking dudes out really quick. And I, and I looked deeper into like Tom Aspinall's record a little bit. He has some arm triangles on his amateur record. Um, and it very much reminds me of like Cyril Gann. We'll talk about uh, at the end of this episode. Because he's fighting next week. But it very much reminded me of that. Um, however... He's mostly knocking dudes the fuck out. So, um, yeah, Tom Aspinall fucking. Uh, I, I got I got nothing but great things to say about the guy. He's like a he's like a heavyweight savior, which I just um, skipped over my notes uh, after the Joaquin Buckley fight. Chris Daukas. Probably terrible. How is it that I can pronounce all the foreign names right with the American names? I'm like, ah, eh, fuck it. Um, just kidding. Um, but uh, that guy's a heavyweight savior as well. You know, doing heavyweights proud with those um, 
with those quick knockouts. That's what we want to see in heavyweight. We want to see quick knockouts. We don't want to see lumbering fucking decisions. Like, I didn't put it on my notes to talk about because uh, I'm a big Ben Rothwell fan and um, Rhino is not. <laughs> it made me sad that Ben Rothwell lost, but I'm, I'm happy for Rhino in that regard. But um, they both were kind of gassed at the end, obviously. And Marcin Tabura is like visually, has like visually labored breathing. And Dan Hardy's like, your cardio is excellent. And I was like, bro, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like the bar for great conditioning at heavyweight is so low. <laughs> like, oh, you made it through. You must have had a great camp. Me and uh, Brandon the Truth were talking about that on the timeline a little bit. But bro, fucking hell. Um, anyway, yeah, Tom Aspinall out here knocking dudes out. You love to see it. And you love to see Marcus Perez. Get knocked the fuck out. Mostly because that Joker bit is tired. Oh my god. I can't believe he did it again, dude. That Joker thing. And it's so funny. I was actually listening to my buddy Tom's podcast. Um, shout out to them. Uh, Movies After Work. Um, Tom's my buddy from college. And um, he does a great podcast about movies. And he fucking hates the Joker. And they like basically read it for filth. Like basically, if you think the Joker is a good movie, the the one with Joaquin Phoenix from last year, like if you think that's a good movie, um, I I don't know if I should tell you to listen to that podcast to realize you're wrong or to <laughs> avoid it so that you won't be like filled with rage. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I was I was like listening to that podcast on Friday, and then on on Saturday these fights happened, and I was like, bye. <laughs> And I, and I wrote down, and I have to say, like, I wrote down in my notes, um, Dr- I'm going to probably butcher the name, Dracus Duplessis, um, the South African gentleman. I put that he's going to put South Africa on the map. And then he said the, the controversial post-fight comment, which I'll, I'll, I won't go into uh, too much depth here because we have a great listener question about it. But I, I want to say that I had those thoughts, and then he kind of, like, made the his statement made me made it seem like those thoughts were like about that i want to say like no that's not what i'm fucking doing here um definitely don't condone that but but it's also i think maybe slightly misconstrued a little bit i think there's some room for uh some gray area here um like uh as the great obi-wan kenobi once said only sith deal in absolutes (laughs) like it it really is a little bit um of, of both i mean i don't think he is completely problematic with his with his comments i don't think he's like racist but to just completely discount uh, israel adesanya and kamaro usman by saying you want to become the first legit african champion and i'm obviously i'm paraphrasing it which uh probably isn't good uh because it might dilute the meaning and, and might misconstrue it again as as it's been happening but um he basically said he wants to be the the first champ from Africa um, that is like stayed in Africa, and and on the one hand I'm like I get it like fighting has always been a bit national. There's always you know country pride uh, and patriotism when it comes to uh, combat sports. When you when you walk make that walk to the ring or the cage or or the octagon or whatever it is. You sometimes feel like you're representing your country. I mean, Paul Felder fought all over the world, but then he said when he went into 
uh, New Zealand, he really felt to fight Dan Hooker. He really felt like he was representing America. He walked out to like born in the USA from Bruce Springfield. There is that sense of pride and it's always going to be there. And, uh, you know, like this isn't new to the scene. I mean, when Conor McGregor was, was making his run and, uh, they had signed Joe Duffy to the UFC. And I, and I can't remember if Joe Duffy got signed before Connor or if it was whatever, but either way they were, they were kind of on, on the Ascension, you know, and uh, Joe Duffy has a win over Connor, obviously. And he was saying how, you know, he, he left Ireland. Like he needs to change his nickname. He's not Irish Joe Duffy. He's fucking Canada Joe or whatever. Like I think he like also represents like Wales, uh, like I think Joe Duffy's like half Irish, half Welsh. I'm not entirely sure, um, but I know he's like not 100% Irish as far as I know. And then he left to go train in Canada, and I'm like, I get it. Like I'm not, um, you know, Tricer one of the best gyms in the world, but but it was a big deal for Connor, and it was a big thing about like he stayed and he stayed with his coaches that were there from with him from day one. And he was like representing Ireland, which is this guy has like a nickname of like Irish Joe. Uh, didn't even stay in Ireland. That's a big deal. Um, and you know, like I'm not from Ireland. I mean, I have Irish blood that I'm very proud of, but, um, I don't, I don't get involved in, in that sort of like nationalistic pride about it. Uh, like, like Connor was, but, um, to, a, to an extent I get it. I get what, what Duplessis is saying, um, about, you know, wanting to represent South Africa because we, as far, as far as the MMA scene, like name five fighters from South Africa or, or, or. Well, I, we have a lot of Africans in the UFC now, um, but specifically South Africa, there's not a lot. So for him to have that pride, uh, I think is, you know, we, we, we shouldn't belittle that, I think. Um, like I said, I'm not in any way condoning any sort of racism, which which may or may not be implied in his statements. And again, I, I think dismissing the achievements of, of Israel and Kamaru because they didn't stay in Africa the whole time. I mean, that's just not fair and, and not really accurate. I mean, Israel was in, in Nigeria until he was 14, like at 14 years old, I was as much the person I was going to be as I am today. Like Israel leaving and then going to New Zealand, I don't think makes him any less of a Nigerian. Same way with Kamaru Usman. And I was talking about this with a bunch of people. As far as I know, Kamaru Usman um, moved to the States when I think he was like seven. Uh, he's talked about it at length on, on JRE both both times he's been on there. And um, because of Ben Askren's comments calling him Marty from Nebraska, you have all these fucking trolls who are like, oh, Kamaru's actually from Nebraska. No, he's not, dude. He went to college there. Uh, and I, and I, I'm pretty sure I remember him talking about on Jerry that he moved to like Dallas or Texas when he first came to America, um, which is not to say that it's, you know, any different because it's still in America, but it's still he was born in Nigeria and then came over. He's not from Nebraska. He's from Nigeria. Um, so it's very apropos. And he speaks in, in Yoruba sometimes. So like for, for, for fucking Duplessis to, to say, you know, he wants to be the first legitimate um uh, African champion. You know what it'd be like? So now we have Amanda Nunes has has a baby that she had with, with her partner Nina Ansaroff. And she is now the first mom champ. This, If this 
this would be compared to Michelle Watterson, like in her next fight, if she still says, I want to be the first mom champ. First of all, if she does that, she's canceled as fuck. Let me tell you right now. But, um, but, but that's sort of what this is akin to, like saying they're less African because they left. Like, come on, bro. That's not it. Anyway, great performance, though. When he knocked out Marcus Perez, I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, Mar- sometimes I like Marcus Perez and his fighting style is, is wild, but he's kind of an asshole as well. And the fucking Joker makeup, anyone that, like, wants to be the Joker, no. Just no. And, man, Edson Barboza with a beard... And hair, especially because I think we've seen him with a beard, but it's always he's always been bald. Fucking get rid of it, yo! <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird. Like if you if you look at it, like for, take it at face value, he doesn't look bad. He looks good. Um, but it reminded me of Jacare when Jacare had started that treatment to regrow his hair, and he was like, "Oh, I want to grow an afro." Ah, uh, <laughs> like it's so we're not used to seeing it. It's like. I think my, my homie struggle face Tom and be like, I like my Barboza bald, please. Like this, that fucking, that fight turned me into goddamn Machine Gun Kelly. I was like, somebody get him some clippers. This fucking beard is weird. Yeah, dude. It's a Barboza. Go back to your look. You had an iconic look. I don't know. I'm not hating on it though. I like it. It's just so weird. I, I, I'm going to need some adjusting. Like imagine like Junior Dos Santos. His whole career, he's been bald and, and clean-shaven. Imaginally, well, I think he's recently started growing a mustache or sometimes he's a mustache, but like whatever. Imagine if he were to grow hair. We'd be like, ah, oh, change it, please. Don't like it. You know? Or like, what if, what if, dude, the reverse, what if Elias Theodoro had like shaved his head? No. No. I don't support. I don't support. I don't support it. You have to cut your hair, Edson. If you want to like prove that you're not bald, because maybe he was like, maybe, maybe it's like a midlife crisis thing, and maybe he's feeling old. Um, just cut it short. Cut it short. Get a fade. I don't know something. But, and I know, I know, I don't want to. I, I hate. I always hate to like prop up the loser, um, which is not to say that I want to disparage the loser, but I always want the winner to get more shine. But. Credit to Makwan Amirkani for not getting finished, especially coming in on short notice. Like I have to say, I really was like expecting Edson Barboza to give him the business. Like especially if you look at Makwan's fight with Shane Burgos, and maybe he learned from that and, and fixed some of those holes. But like Shane was beating him the fuck up, yo, and and Makwan was having trouble standing. Edson Barboza actually was like grappling with him, which was insane. Yeah. Great performance from Edson. Cut your hair. Shave your beard. Um, actually, it was a good beard, though. Like, I, <laughs> Again, this is like... We're so... MMA fans, we're so resistant to change. But, um, yeah. I love it. Mach 1. Why didn't you get finished? I don't know. And, yo... Corey Sanhagen is a violence god. Y'all better start putting some respect on his goddamn name. I saw a ton of people saying Marlon was going to win, dude. Not only win, like they were they were predicting a finish. They were like, Marlon's going to come in and blitz this guy just like Aljo did. 
fuck out of here with that, dude. And maybe I'm still salty. I know I am. I'm still salty about Marlon Morais losing to Henry Cejudo and making me eat my own asshole. If you don't believe me, there are three people who have seen the video. It used to be two. Someone else just saw it. There are three people. Anyway, he definitely knows some shit we don't know, by the way. Another thing I learned from um, uh, Fernanda's fight preview was he had he did an interview with um, Aaron Bronsetter where he talked about the arousal continuum. And he said it so like casually and, and Aaron was like, whoa, 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 you keep talking about this as if like we know what it is. You have to, to break it down. It's essentially a concept um, he said, he said in the interview, like, cause I Googled it as well. Um, he said it's, it's, it's a sports psychology concept. And I Googled that it was maybe more than that. Like maybe it stemmed from regular psychology and then a sports psychologist adopted it or something. I don't know. I mean, obviously I don't think there's like separate schools for psychology and sports psychology. I think there's just like a difference, like a field of study kind of like, like when you study become a doctor, you go through medical school, and then if you want to be a cardiologist, then you have your like your specialty or whatever. Anyway, the arousal continuum is such that like you have to know what level of arousal, meaning like excitement and like energy, you have to perform at your at your best. Some people need to be more subdued; they need to not look at it. He um, has realized since the Aljo fight that he needs to be more pumped up, more like. Not nervous, but he said that he was like so calm moving into the Aljo fight and that it ultimately hindered him. Um, and so this fight, he said he was like all kind of like pumped up and, and uh, he he was excited and, and nervous and ultimately it translated. He styled on Marlon Moraes. He styled on him, dude. He basically beat him with his own weapon. I mean, it was unreal. He threw that spinning wheel kick. And it's like the he calf like grazed his head. It was the the fucking the amount of force he was generating to like put him away with that was awesome. And I won't lie and say that I predicted a finish from him. Like I was definitely picking Corey. And um, it's funny. My brother in law was like texting me about like betting, and he and he asked for my picks just generally. And uh, I was like. I, I I gave him my picks that like I thought Corey was gonna win and I circled some others as well, um, Barboza being one of them. He then calls me later. He's like, "What what do you think about a parlay between uh, Barboza, Marlin, and someone else? I can't remember. Oh, I think it was Zalal actually, which is funny. Zalal ruined it as well. Um, yeah, I was like, "Oh, dude, Zalal is like that's a lock." <laughs> which is obviously so wrong. But um, I was like, dude, I don't know about Marlon like that. Is it going to be a tough fight? But he kept like pursuing it. I was like, whatever you want to do. Like, I'm not going to tell you where to put your money. Corey Sanhagen beat the shit out of Marlon Marais, dude. Like, wow. You love to see it. I don't even know what, what else to say because it's just like he left it all in there that he, sp- he spoke with his violence. I don't know. He, he spoke with his art. Uh, unreal. Unreal. I love Corey Sanhagen. And like I said, y'all better start putting some respect on his name. The guy was 5-0 and in the UFC before he lost to, to Aljo. A lot of people thought he was it was like a small sample size and that it was like, oh, he hasn't faced elite competition. I hate that argument from MMA fans. Like, oh, he hasn't been proven against elite, elite competition. What the fuck defines elite competition? 
is not the UFC the elite of the elite? Like, what? I don't know. Corey Sanhagen beating Rafael Sunsau impressed the fuck out of me. Um, him beating Lineker impressed the fuck out of me, especially when he survived that guillotine and blood was pouring out of his nose. Bro. Actually, going back even further, when he survived the armbar from, from Yuri Alcantara, I was like, this motherfucker is tough. Like, that for sure broke his arm. Yo, Corey Sanhagen is legit, and I don't know how he makes Bantamweight as well. He's got, like, physical gifts that are that make him a problem in this division. And I would still favor Aljo in a rematch. Like, I'm not trying to be, you know, recency bias and whatever, like. And I'm glad even Corey said in the post fight, he says, like, Aljo is next, he should get the next shot, and then I want the winner of that, you know. Um, or he said he wants to fight TJ Dillashaw, which I think is interesting. Because, um, I, again, I hope TJ Dillashaw doesn't come back and steal the fucking title shot. That motherfucker doesn't deserve shit. That motherfucker doesn't deserve shit. Fuck TJ Dillashaw. Um, sorry if you're a TJ Dillashaw fan, but yeah, fuck him. And I guess on that note... We're going to transition into some news. And we're back. So let's talk about some news. Um, first up, John Jones finally admitted to hiding under the cage, supposedly from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. If you guys didn't know this story, this has been like a long standing urban myth, supposedly, in MMA. It's been like a rumor, and um, I think Chael Sonnen was the first to talk about it or definitely has talked about it on multiple occasions, um, that there's a story that um, supposedly John was training at Jackson Wink, and USADA came a-knocking, that he knew USADA was coming, and hid under the cage. Like all day. And then they just like wait around for him and, and left. And he was there for like several hours. This has been like a rumor. And there hasn't been anything to substantiate it. And it's just been talked about for a long time. John Jones admitted it, dude. Izzy and, and Johns have been going back and forth on Twitter. And whatever you think of their like Twitter beef. Um, personally, I think it's it's gotten a little bit nasty from both sides. And I don't care who started it. Like... And, and there's been a lot of talk about, like, Izzy bringing up John's, like, dead family. And Izzy was like, he fucking brought family into it first, which I agree with. Um, but I don't want to sit here and talk about it too much. Because a lot of people think, like, oh, dead family is, like, crossing a line. But, like, you can talk about other family. And it's like, come on, dude. Whatever. Um, but anyway, it's been, they've just been going at it hard. They've been going hard. And Izzy kept poking the bear and kept bringing up that rumor. And DC talked about this on uh, his show with Helwani saying, he's like, you know, I knew about that story, but I could never confirm it. I only wanted to talk about stuff that was true, you know, uh, when it comes to stuff like that. And uh, so I, I never vocalized it, you know, cause I could never confirm it. He was like, Izzy doesn't care. He doesn't care that it's not confirmed. He'll use it. He'll use anything. He kept using it enough to get John Jones to admit it. John Jones finally said, okay, yeah, I was hiding, but it wasn't from USADA. It was from NSAC, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, NSAC, um, who are fucking criminals, by the way. And uh, he said it was because I just smoked a J. And um, he made a, I may be paraphrasing, but he basically smoked some weed. 
and knew he would test positive for that. And that's why he was hiding. Um, uh, fuck's sake, man. Like, this is so upsetting to me or like not upsetting like first of all it's like vindication right because like i always believed this story and i was like dude it has to come out at some point whether it's like after retirement or whatever fucking jones finally admitted it and if you believe that it was about the about the weed i support it like those fucking narcs dude that ruined nick diaz's career like i would hide from them too um and i'm someone who believes cannabis should be legal and especially like you know, legalizing combat sports and, and people should not be tested for it. Like if, if a motherfucker's drunk, they don't care. Like you could be hung over and step in the cage. Um, I don't think that's entirely true. I may be blowing it up proportion. Like if they, there might be a blood alcohol test that they take eventually, uh, because you can drink the night before and still have it in your system a little bit, but for the most part it leaves. I don't know. It, it's kind of a gray area with alcohol, which is the fucking problem. But if it was weed, I support it. And good for him for recognizing that he didn't want his career ruined like Nick Diaz. And then we would have gotten denied of so many things uh, in MMA after that. But if you're to believe that it is PEDs, which I've always believed, it's kind of fucking chicken shit, to be honest with you. And that's all I have to say about that. Now, on to more light, uh, on a lighter note, this uh, theater podcast is happening and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Um, I decided a couple of weeks ago or, or, well, yeah, I guess a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to do something related to like Broadway and theater and musicals. And I was going to do it on this podcast. I was going to make it a segment. Um, I was very much inspired by um yugi uh how he does on on the ipok mma he does the entertainment section and i really love that uh but specifically as far as the format i was inspired by uh one of my favorite movie podcasts verbal diorama um that's something i highly recommend because she covers a lot of different movies a lot of different genres and so if you look at her feed and there's a movie you really like just check it out because you might find some stuff you didn't know about it she's really good at what she does um and the way she kind of goes in depth about it and I've been really obsessed with this musical lately called Hades Town. It's just fucking incredible. And I talked about it, I think, on on last week's show or the or the week before. Um it really is worth your time. You know, even if you like musicals a little bit, even if you've heard one once, like even if you like saw Hamilton on Disney Plus because everyone was talking about it and you're like, oh, this is good shit. Like, look up Hades Town. It's fucking incredible. And I started researching the history of it, and there's just so much more that people should know about it. And it made me think I, w- I want to do a show about it. So I am going to do that show. And I'm going to do it an, an, as a separate podcast, probably on Patreon. And, w- and when it happens, I'll definitely announce it on this show and I'll tweet about it. Um, but it, it's happening. Like, uh, I talked about with my my buddy Andrew who's my my former co-host on my uh, old podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions, rest in peace. And uh, I was just like, the, he got so so, so excited, like as, as excited as I, won, as I was. And he was like, maybe we can get the band back together. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. So we're, we're going to maybe talk about that. I, I still haven't decided if it's going to be solo or not. Uh, he might have like a segment on there, which, which is going to be, which is, which is kind of nice. It'll be like Drea on Combat Sports. And he's like, a future player, Drea. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I, I literally, for those of you who don't know, I have, 
uh, been doing theater basically my whole life, like since I was eight years old. And so I just know a lot about that world. And it's not going to be just musicals. It's going to be uh, plays as well, like straight plays. Um, and uh, I just I just know a lot about it. And I have a lot to offer as far as my knowledge is concerned. So I really want to do it. And I like I, I started making a list. I asked for some recommendations and and like half of the ones I got were ones I already had. And then a couple ones were the some ones I was like on the fence about. And then I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'd put it. if people want to see it, like I'll put it. Um, but I have, I think, about 50 different ones, dude. And that's just like off the top of my head. I haven't even started to look deep into the catalogs of like what I want to cover uh, to like bring some more obscure uh, stuff to light. So super pumped for that. Um, and I, and if you don't want that, if you're not interested, like that's why I'm doing it as a separate thing. So sorry that I rambled about it for the past couple of minutes, but, um, you know, fuck it. Anyway, back to MMA, my favorite writer slash podcaster, Fernanda Praches is back. She's writing for Fanbyte. And I'm super fucking pumped. Um, the podcast is coming back as well. She was uh, she was the host of my favorite podcast, Well Actually, um, which I've I've talked about many times on the show, and I played some clips from her last week um, to honor Esther Lynn. And uh, it's just been missing in my life, and it's a it's a ray of positivity that this sport needs. And uh, our takes are always like fresh and unique and interesting. And one of the things I um, didn't play from the Esther Lynn episode. And I, I hope you guys went back and listened to that because it's really just like the best thing of all time. She talked about how when Ariel left uh, MMA fighting to go to ESPN, they had to sort of fill some some holes. And the show that he was on MMA Beat um, was with it was with Ariel, Luke Thomas, Chuck Mindenhall, and Jeff Wagenheim. Now Jeff Wagenheim's a bit crazy, um, but Chuck Mindenhall is like one of the best sports writers ever, and Luke Thomas is Luke Thomas. Actually, like Luke Thomas, but a lot of people hate him. So there's that. Um, Esther Lynn said that they basically all had the same opinions because they had the same experience in life as being like straight white men. And I and she said they agreed all the time. Now, it's worth mentioning, I think, that uh, a lot of times on the show they did disagree or they at least had some back and forth. But she's 100% spot on in saying that they had the same experiences. And so they brought in like Phoenix Carnival when, uh, uh, when Ariel left. And, uh, I just think like we need more female voices in MMA. Um, I tweet about all the time, like, why aren't there more like female MMA fans? And it's because we have some piece of shit, toxic male fans who are like basically shaming them and, and kicking them out. And then like people, and I, I'll say that I'll put these tweets out and I'll be like, we need more um, diversity in, in our fan base and we need more female sports and female MMA fans. And they're like, well, why it's out there. They can find it. I'm like, well, it's clearly not being marketed to them correctly. You know, it could bring something you know, amazing into their lives that w- was previously not there. Like, I just think that that needs to be explored more often. And, and Fernanda does that. And just, just, just her existence does that. So I'm really fucking pumped for, for her return. The, uh, the fight card previews that she would do on, uh, for the athletic were incredible. And she's bringing them to Fanbite, which is just awesome. So love it. I love everything about it. And the podcast is coming back, which I fucking can't wait because there's so much now, especially this happened since her last episode. I want to say it was like January of 2019. So it's been over a year, um, if I'm right. No, because December 2019 was 
uh, was when I gave her the the award for my end of year show. So it had been January 2020. So it was, it was just been, basically been this year, but still fucking 10 months, yo. There's a lot that happened, a goddamn pandemic. And um, I'm just super excited she's back. So I just wanted to spread the word for anyone that's listening. Um, support Fernanda if you support me, because I don't know, you should. Anyway. Last bit of MMA news I want to talk about here is um, a fight announcement we just got. And I, and I haven't been, really been putting fight announcements on here because you see them on the timeline. Like, well, why the fuck? Like, there's nothing for me to do other than say, like, this is happening. But um, shout out to the homie Serena Southpaw for um, for tagging me in this. Viviani Araujo versus Roxanne Mataferi is happening um, January 2020. 2021 apparently kind of weird that they're announcing it this quickly or that it was the news was was broken i guess they're already kind of trying to put together those cards because uh word has it or, or or you know reports are such that they're still looking to fill some of those november and december cards so i don't know why they're like hey this fight's happening in january it could also be bad journalism I'm not trying to like put down whoever broke the news i mean i'm not i know who it is but i'm not gonna say it but um it could be maybe incomplete or, or maybe it's like um you guys probably know there's like a mole in the ufc that like leaks information and sometimes i, th- I think it's not 100 accurate so anyway Super looking forward to that fight. I don't want to hear any of y'all picking Viviani Arujo except for Jim Masoon. Um, last uh, last Roxy fight, Jim said every time he picks Roxy, she loses. And if he picks against her, she wins. So I need Jim to pick against her for the juju of the universe. But anyone else, it's on site, yo. If you're saying like, oh, Vivi's going to knock her out, like I'm fucking blocking you for shit, dude. I don't care what you think. Um, we're Team Roxy on here forever. Forever. And on that note, let's end this segment and uh, we'll take a break before we get to the forum. The forum starts now. If you're new to the show, this is the part of the show where uh, you get to hear from other voices of the MMA Twitter universe that are not my own. Um, you to hear from other people and uh, we'll kind of respond to what they have to say. First up is from my homie Phil, the MMA dude. Yo, Juice, what up? Phil, the MMA dude from the Split Decision Podcast here. Okay, so here's my question for the week. Uh, Dana has inferred that this Corey Sanhagen versus Marlon Marais main event that's about to go down tonight is essentially a number one contenders match, which makes no sense. What is going on with Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan? I don't get why this is being held up. What's your theory? And do you think it's possible, I've uh, said this before, that perhaps Dana is trying to stall for TJ Dillashaw's return, uh, which I believe uh, TJ will be eligible in January. I think that'd be some huge bullshit if TJ gets the shot. But I know that Dana promised Dillashaw a title shot upon his return back two years ago when TJ got suspended. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, bro. Great job at the podcast. Really appreciate all that you do. Peace, man. Fuck yeah, dude. This is a great question. So I actually think, and maybe this is just, um, I don't know, me being naive or or misplaced optimism, we can call it. Um, I think Corey winning 
was the best case scenario for that to happen. Because if they had, if Marlon had won, Marlon has a win over Aljo. Um, he won against Aldo, even though they gave the shot to Aldo because they thought Aldo won. Uh, he would now be on a two-fight winning streak. That leaves room for some speculation or, or, for, or for the UFC to like slide Marlon in there. Um, I do not think with Corey winning, being that Aldo's win over Corey was so recent, and now Corey's on a one-fight win streak, that, that he, they're going to slide Corey in there. However, what you said about stalling for TJ Dillashaw is very relevant. Um, I do think that they are going to try and give TJ Dillashaw a title shot upon return, but I, I hope... You know, they can keep that division moving. Um, you know what I mean? Don probably wants to fight. He probably wants to defend. And uh, I would hope that they're going to do Jan versus Aljo before the time, before the year is up. you got to do that fight. I don't care. Aljo is next, dude. That's it. Aljo versus um, Corey Sandhagen was a number one contender's fight. This is it, dude. This is it. I don't know. If, if Corey Sandhagen gets the... Um, Gets the nod over Aljo. I'll be very fucking upset. I'll be very fucking upset at the UFC. And uh, I'll be pretty vocal about it. Because like what the fuck. I might get uh, the address for the PI. And uh, contact the good people at poopsenders.com. Maybe send them some shit. Because that would be what they deserve. Yeah dude. Uh, great question. I just think. At least I'm hopeful. That the circumstances are aligning for Aljo because of his win over Corey and Corey just won. That said, Corey looked really good. So maybe they would like to do that fight between Sanhagen and Jan, but I think they just know he's the next guy. Like he can get the next one. Maybe they'll do Sanhagen versus uh, Dillashaw for number one contenders. That would be interesting to me. Um, I, I don't think Chiji deserves an immediate title shot. I know he was promised one, but you know, people have been promised things in the UFC and haven't got delivered. So, like, fuck that. I actually got another DM from the girl, uh, the homegirl, Shaylin, Warhorse, which is so funny to me. She said, what's your favorite KO of 2020 or ever? Uh, you know, I have so many. That, you know, recency bias is like raging here. But the, the Joaquin Buckley one from last night was it. <laughs> Shasta Joaquin Buckley saying, or Shasta Shea rather, for saying that that KO made her pregnant. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude! I love I love that shit. It makes me it reminds me of um, uh, Flight of the Concords. There's a song Rhinoceros versus uh, Hip Hopopotamus, and uh, Jermaine is is the uh, Hip Hopopotamus, and he's like, my rhymes are so potent that in this small segment, I'm in all of the ladies in the area pregnant. <laughs> or if they're performing it live, he'll be like, I'm in all the ladies in the first two rows pregnant. Dude, that KO was unreal. But here's another one that was also pretty unreal that, in my opinion, they're kind of on par. And it's hard to say which is uh, which is better. And I'll get to this in one of the voice questions as well. But uh, Yair Rodriguez KO, uh, KO of uh, Korean Zombie. Fucking just absolutely absolutely bananas batshit insane you know especially you we thought it was a headbutt at first like from the angle it's like whoa and then it was an up up elbow that he dipped into and kind of lured zombie in you know zombie was 
winning basically every not every second but it was fairly competitive at some points but he was winning on some cards like four rounds to one he was on his way to winning a decision you know uh and then he like charged forward fucking heartbroken for korean zombie but an amazing ko for yair um and like circumstances like that are I think what maybe elevates it a little bit because you, you got to think like that was the main event. It was the la- literally the last second, like the ref called it a four fifty nine of the fifth round. Like it was the last possible second it was tied for the, the last, uh, the latest finished in a five round fight, latest finish in a non-title five round fight. Cause he had DJ over uh Horiguchi. man, but that walking Buckley one was so slick, dude. So fucking... I mean, I got pregnant from that shit. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, you know what? Another one I like, and, and I'm, I'm sad that I haven't like actually watched this fight because it's, it was like from a regional fight. I don't even know where because it was just on so many like... It went viral. It was just on so many like... Cl- the clip of it was on so many like uh, like MMA Digest videos and all these other things. That one where that guy is like showboating. And I like a bit of showboating. Like I don't... You, you know... It, it especially because you know like if if it goes bad for them then they're going to be the laughing stock of the whole fucking internet like it's a high risk high reward situation so i respect it and i respect it like when when especially when like you know someone like mvp who does it and, and wins like this guy was like taunting his opponent and kind of dancing around him and then at one point he literally like turns to the side and does this like shimmy kind of and my man got hit with some sweet chin music the guy just unloaded a beautiful head kick right on his fucking jaw and he was out cold that's one of the best ko's of all time dude um for that reason for that little shimmy and then getting knocked the fuck out oh i love that it was just it's just so fucking satisfying um yeah, other other ones are, you know, the Ben Askren, Jorge Masvidal one. I think we got, like, desensitized from that one because it was just played on fucking loop, dude, for so many. Like, and that one, uh, that one account was just kind of spamming that for fucking months. And I kept seeing it getting retweeted, like, months afterward. Like, people were going and finding it and retweeting it. I was like, come on, dude. Just stop. I had to block that account. Um, I think I blocked it for other reasons as well. But anyway, um... You got to think about the circumstances for that one as well, because like Hori Masvidal had just knocked out Darren Till, but before that, everyone thought he was like a journeyman and like he just was like losing these split decisions. Um, I always respected Hori's skills, but I, I never thought he was going to do that to to Ben Askren. If you even go back to my show, um, there was a call in from someone that was like, "Oh, does anyone think Hori's going to win on skill?" Like, I think you just hate Ben Askren, you know? And I was like, yeah, I, th- I think people are, you know, in that same vein. I th- I'm agreeing with you. And then that's fucking happened. Because Ben Askren was a world beater, undefeated, you know, r- wrestle fucking the hell out of anybody that got in his way. And then he made his debut. Robbie Lawler gave him the business, almost finished him, beat him within an inch of his life. And he somehow came back and then got like that nasty bulldog joke. Whatever you want to say about that, I think uh, Robbie was out. I don't think that was a bad stoppage at all. Fuck the controversy for that. You know what I mean? Especially when Herb Dean explained it on JRE. Like, fuck the controversy. Um, so, so Jorge Masvidal doing that that quickly, insane. I literally, and I think I've said this on the show before, once they the fight started, I had to like go up to get some uh, water or something. And I was like, oh, th- this is going to be like a decision. I have some time. 
I heard, oh, and I tur- I snapped my head back and then I saw the replay. I was like, fuck, dude. Like, that shit was unreal. So, yeah, there, there's been some amazing KOs and I and I don't think that uh, Joaquin Buckley should overshadow those as far as all time. I mean, the Edson Barbosa, Terry Enum one, uh, you know, fucking Wonder Boy over Jake Ellenberger, JDS over Mark Hunt. Uh, of course, I have to shadow Cairo set for that because he made a video about those. Um, otherwise, dude, definitely KO of the year. Like, for sure, this Joaquin Buckley one is KO of the year. Like, there's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, so, uh, we got a voicemail on the FWM hotline. FWM hotline. Here we go. Juice, it's your homie Mixed Demand here calling in from beautiful Red Lodge, Montana. And I want to know, why does cider taste like sweet and piss? Get at me, homie. And how do you drink this shit? <laughs> Dude, motherfucking Mixed Demand is like on this tour of all these different like breweries in the Midwest and stuff. And he, he stopped at one that had cider. He knows I drink cider. And he was like, this is just sweet and piss. How do you fucking drink this? Bro, people love it. I thought, like, I'm not this lone cider drinker, like a lunatic or something. Like, people drink it. People like it. It's good. Especially in the UK, I think it's more popular. And maybe it's better there. Uh, I haven't had it. Obviously, I've never been there. But um, they, uh, they talked about it on Poorly Red once. And then I remember talking about it... Uh, I don't know if it was on the timeline of the podcast when then Neil uh, MMA Assault was like, oh, yeah, we drink cider over here. We've got this great one. Like, people like it. I don't know what to say. The Stella Artois cider is really good, too, for, like, a, a more, like, sophisticated one. I feel so, like, attacked by this voicemail. Cider is good. I don't know what to tell you. I also had, like, a blackberry cider one time, which was, like, fucking phenomenal. Um, and I had this one... Or maybe it was it mead. I think it was a cider. It was from Vermont, and it had like maple syrup in it. Maybe that was just maybe it was just maple infused beer. But I could have sworn it was a cider. No, no, because yeah, because it had like Macintosh on the side for like the Macintosh apples. It was yeah, it was a fucking maple infused cider from Vermont. That shit was fucking phenomenal, dude. Get yourself some better cider. It's not sweet and piss. Go to Vermont, and you'll find the real shit. I don't know what to tell you. Love that guy. Shouts to Mick. He's on like a indefinite vacation. I told him, I was like, oh, I hope you enjoy your trip. He's like, oh, it's uh, I forget what word he used. Anyways, it's like continuing. I hope you're playing this in the car with Tootsie and Nicole. Hi, Tootsie. Hi, Nicole. Juice. Type one my photo here. Fucking was too jacked up last night to put in my comments to your show last night man i was excited for a lot of the fights on the card i believe you stated it before that it was going to be an absolute banger as well you know so did i but could have never expected something like that just the amount of athleticism and hard work really really showed last night i mean these guys put on a show and that is a tough act to follow for the upcoming cards. I can't even nail down one fight I want to talk about. Just want to say thanks for doing the show, man. It's always been a pleasure conversating with you. And it'll be 
Good to hear you break down these fights. Have a good one. Peace. My man. Dude, I love when typo my photo sends in these voicemails. Like I will always play a question or a, rather a, a message that even if it doesn't have a question um, or any sort of particular topic, like just to hear other people's thoughts on the, on the fights, I think it's important. And uh, much love to you too, my man. Like I love, I love interacting with you as well. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Juice, all you fucking juice heads. Hope everyone's doing well. All right. Question for you this week is probably like everybody else is going to be talking about that fucking knockout. Where do you rate that? Um, we know it's knockout of the year so far for sure, 2020. But where do you rate that in the all-time knockouts in combat sports history? Like, it's fucking right up there with that yeah year one for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. Put up there a little bit higher, probably just because it was last round, last second of the fight. Nighty night. Anyhow, that's my question for you. Keep up the great work. You know we love the podcast, and you motherfuckers know it's always 420. Peace. <laughs> yes, Jim. Fucking shout out to Dimasoon. Especially, uh, you know, I, I had mentioned like a long time ago that I wanted a name for for my listeners. And uh, I think we kind of landed on Juice Heads, but Jim is like the only one who keeps it going. So I really love that. Yeah, dude, as far as all-time KOs, it's up there. It's probably top five. But when you say in combat sports history, um, here's why I have to say that I'm not a boxing fan at all. Um, and so I don't know that I can really put it up against other or like kickboxing or Muay Thai. Um, I can't really put it up against those other, uh, other sports, but as far as MMA, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably top five. Yeah. The Yair one, I agree with you because of the stakes, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's probably a little higher. Um, but we've had some amazing ones too. Even the, um, you know, what one, uh, doesn't get enough love as well is, uh, Lando Venata over John McDessey at 206, UFC 206. Holy shit. I think it was kind of ruined by the fact that like the most famous wheel kick KO was Barboza Edom at that time. And uh, especially he landed in a similar fashion, like Mike Desi just kind of timbered back. And um, it was like, they asked him about it backstage and he was like buzzing from the adrenaline. They're like, how do you think this compares to the Barboza Edom knockout? And he goes, oh, it tops it. I think that's what people soured from it, but I saw an amazing uh, breakdown of Robin Black, uh, or rather by Robin Black, of that knockout, of the Lando Venata-McDessey knockout. And he was saying how Orlando was like kind of throwing these little, um, the little oblique kicks that Jackson Wink likes, those little kicks to the knee, but he was throwing them with not a lot of intention. He was kind of almost doing it as a range finder and as a way, uh, whether like um, consciously or not, of like programming his opponent to be like, oh, don't worry about my kicks. These are just little range finders. Don't worry about my kicks. Then he spins hard and, and catches him with that fucking wheel kick. Nasty. So, um, yeah, there's been some great KOs. You know, the walking book, even the one we saw last night of, of San Hagen. I mean, uh, Morais didn't go out right away. Um, so it won't be looked at as like, you know, on the all-time KOs. Even the fucking the Czech Congo over Pat Berry one is, is a great one, too, because Czech Congo came back from the dead. He died like three times in that fight, <laughs> meaning got knocked out and then like instantly recovered. Um 
bro, it's so hard to rank that KO because it's it was it's so fresh and the recency bias is like overwhelming. I need to to look at it probably at the end of the year. Um when I do my end of the year awards, you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, tough this year because we've had just so many and yet so little because we lost a good chunk where we weren't having fights. It's craziness. It's craziness. Juicy Juice, what up? It's G from G-Spot MMA and the Wokas. Here's my question. Did you hear Driscus Duplessis' comments about being the first African champ? Um, I heard those comments and immediately I thought, just, sir, sit down. We already have those. Um, is he a colonizer or how did you interpret what he means by that? Because I thought we had African champs and um, I just want to make sure he's not a colonizer. You know me. And what what'd you think? And um, I love the show and I'll see you in the wild, bro. I love how she always uh, ends her messages, see you in the wild. Because the fucking timeline is like the wild, wild west right now. Um, I, I want to look up on because when 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 G sent this, I wasn't entirely sure what a colonizer meant. I mean, I definitely got the uh, uh, contextual clues um, and um, I was certain I could sort of determine what it meant. But I needed a definition from Urban Dictionary to really solidify it. Uh, because I thought it might have been like a term that was maybe specific to like South Africa, because there's a lot of racial tension in South Africa, um, being that there's a, uh, you know, a heavy white population and that sort of thing, which I, I'm not going to pretend I know a ton about it. So I, I won't go further than that. But I thought it might have been something like that as far as, as that goes. But um, Urban Dictionary defines colonizer as an insult slash derogatory term mainly used against white people, racists or white racists can be used in response to anyone attempting to marginalize or insult people of color. And the example they use is white person uses a slur and someone says, shut up, colonizer. So that's where we're at with this. Now, as far as that goes, you could infer a little bit of that. Like I said, I don't want to sound like I'm being like a sympathizer with him and and saying that, you know, he was justified or whatever. Um, but I don't think it's like I said, I don't think it, I think there's a gray area here. I don't think it's uh, not to like coin a term, but like not, it's not black or white. It's a little bit. There's a little bit of a gray area here because. There could just be the aspect of of nationalistic pride, like I said, about someone who like has stayed in Africa the whole time and uh, brought really African MMA to light. Because in some ways, um, you know, with with Kamara Usman being the first uh, champ of of African descent, and and Izzy adding to it, you know, they're like a month apart from each other, which I thought was excellent. That was when Izzy won the uh, interim belt. There is certainly an overwhelming sense of pride for people that have that um, nationality. But at the same time, it didn't necessarily shine a light on African MMA in terms of where the gyms are from that point of the world, if you get what I'm saying. Like when Israel won the belt and even when he was on his ascension, it heavily shined a light on his coach, Eugene Behrman, in, in city kickboxing and just the level of striking that they possess with like when Volkanovsky took the title off Holloway. And uh, Brad Riddell has been making waves in the lightweight division. Kaikara France, like it really shined a light on, on that. And obviously I just mentioned like there, those are people from New Zealand, but what, what Izzy was, was doing, yes, he's an African champ and yes, he is from there and, and heavily represents Nigeria. But I think what uh, Duplessis was, 
was saying a little bit was that, you know, I want to put African MMA on the map, you know, to to shine a light on my coaches and, and that African MMA is a force to be reckoned with, like Don Madge and that sort of thing. At least I hope so. Because what I'm saying is I don't think we should just jump on him and and get ready to to cancel him unless he truly is a piece of shit look like i said i definitely don't condone if, if he is saying like those aren't real africans or whatever and like i'm the real african like sit the fuck down like g said sit the fuck down if he is a colonizer in that regard uh no you're fucking canceled bro that's it um and like i said i think we should just hold off a bit you know, because I was actually having this conversation with with Blurry Derp, um, and, I, and I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning that. It was just like, you know, if we do go too hard on him and it turns out that he wasn't being racist, it takes away from the people that are actually being racist. You know, we have to kind of be a little bit more conservative with identify. I don't mean literally conservative, but I mean like hesitant with identifying these things right away. We need to get to the root of it, find out what he actually meant and what were the 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 point of those comments and maybe he has maybe he has clarified and i'm looking like an asshole right now you know i'm willing to open myself up to that as far as that goes because i'm basing this off of the one line from the post-fight interview where he said he wanted to be like known as, as the like african champ being like from africa or again in africa living there still like training out of there i think that's what he meant and that's that's where i'm at as far as how i interpreted it it's still bad. It still definitely looks bad, and he should clarify, unless he really meant that. I mean, either way, he should clarify. But I'm just saying, maybe it's not all bad. At least I, I hope that's the approach we can take here, G. I hope I'm I'm not contributing to that. You guys know where I stand on this. Um, I'm very much in support of, of racial equality and just equality in general. Um, I like to think of myself as an ally for, for any, any marginalized people, but... Um, I don't think that he was, I think it was more of a nationalistic thing, you know, than a racial thing. I hope I can say that, uh, you know, and, and be right in that. So thank you, G. Thank you for your questions, guys. Go check out the woke cast. It's great stuff, especially the, uh, I love the shots fired, you know, um, the weekly, the, the sort of like the Wednesday pod with them. It's, it's really good stuff. So, so go check it out. And that's all we have for, um, voice questions so thank you for everyone who sent those in um, again you can send in voice questions at any time by downloading the anchor app and searching fighting with myself and hitting message you can also um, leave me a voicemail like mixed demanded which is to call the number 213-267-2057 you can also record it on your own and email it to fighting with myself pod at gmail.com and on that note, let's dive into the Twitter forum. Um, I got a great question uh, first up from my man Darren Carson at Bobby underscore Dazzler. He says, Adam with the wheel kick, Askren with the knee, Bisping with the punch. He's referring to the, the Hendo knockout. And now Kasangane. As these guys are in highlight reels, should we as a community, be using them as funny gifts? How about their mental health? Are they owed a duty of care? And he's right. And I think we, we often forget about it. 
you know, we have normalized these sort of knockouts in MMA and, and in, in a sense glorified them. And we, we, we like to revel in the demise of certain, certain people. And we don't think about the toll it takes on their mental health um, when they have to see those and when they end up on, you know, someone else's highlight reel. And I get it. It's part of the territory. But think about guys like uh, the gentleman, I think his first name is Adam. And I, I want to say it's maybe Adam Hunt. I'm thinking of Adam Hunter, the comedian, but the gentleman that Uriah Hall absolutely flatlined with the spinning kick on on tough. Um, it, it takes a toll on you, those kind of knockouts. And it, it's not something that we should take lightly and be like replaying these little gifts and clips every time something happens. And now I I don't want to sound like a hypocrite here because I did uh, I, I did meme Kasangane a little bit with my 2020 tweet. Um, you know, how it started, how it's going. Um, but uh, I don't want to to be doing that all the time. I, I think it's okay to do it in the moment um, because we should be celebrating the victory of Joaquin more so than, than the demise of Kasangane. And it's a very important conversation to have, Darren. I, I, I thank you for bringing it up because, you know, as much as it is a, a part of the game, it's still something to consider you know, and we don't want to be the cause to to halt a hype train like Impa from from showing this knockout. You know, twenty four seven. I hope uh, Impa gets off social media indefinitely until that fucking buzz wears off. Like, let someone on your team know, or have someone on your team let you know, rather. But um, I appreciate you bringing up the conversation. We had a nice little back and forth on the forums. You guys can check that out. Um, about uh, just you know being World Mental Health Day and things like that, so uh, I really appreciate bringing up that uh, question. There's actually a great article that he linked um, entitled "Why Terry Edom Deserves to Be Known for More Than Just That Kick." Uh, he's kind of a pioneer for for Liverpoolly in MMA. Next question is from Joe Blogs at Joe Blogs seventy four. He says, now Perry has started to auction a spot in his corner. If you had the money to buy a spot in anyone's corner, male or female, who would it be? I know you, uh, you're Izzy and Roxy, so who's next in line? Yeah, dude. Um, I was thinking about this before before I read the part that he said not to do Izzy or Roxy. I was thinking Roxy because I just think like I can be just like a, a source of positivity. And, you know, she has enough technical advice from John Wood that she wouldn't need anymore um, that I, I could offer that. Um, but I don't feel like I could have anything to offer Izzy other than just being like, yeah, King, like my normal shit that you guys see on the timeline, like fucking craziness um, to get him hyped up. But do you know who would? Um, I feel like I, I could, I could benefit and not really like in, in a technical way again, but just like me bomb Molly. Like, I would just love to be like, let's fucking go Molly. Yeah. Knock her out. Yeah. Put a fucking jab in her face. Do it. Like just do my best scouse dialect and just fucking go nuts. I think I can heavily contribute to that, uh, corner. <laughs> Oh, I love it. If you guys haven't checked out Molly's podcast, by the way, Coffee with a Chance of Meatballs, it is so good. It is so good because she interviews fighters and they just have this like understanding that only fighter like fighter to fighter can have. And she always um you know interviews it from the point of like what can we take from this and learn from 
as a community. And the first season was all about like elevating women, which I really loved. And I kind of wish you would stick with that. Like uh, at one point, like a couple months ago, I think it was back in June. I had, I had tagged her and, and Angela Hill. I said, you should get Angela Hill on the, on the podcast. And they responded, they were going to do it. And then I don't know what happened. It, it didn't, it didn't go up because she came back and she's like, the second season is going to be about men. Which I was like, that's good to like, give both sides. But also like, there's enough of that. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, uh, I love Molly. And uh, MMA Visual says, where in your list of top KOs do you have Buckley from last night? And who, if any, do you rank ahead of it? So I sort of already kind of went over this. Like I said, that um, that one viral one, and I wish I could say the guy's name, um, where the guy was doing the shimmy and gets knocked the fuck out by that head kick. The Ricky Bondejas one, actually, that's reminding me, Ricky Bondejas over James Gallagher is a nice one, too. Um, in that regard, James Gallagher was, like, chatting a bunch of shit. And I, and I like James Gallagher. Like, I'm not one of those haters. But, um... Ricky Badejas gave him the business. That was awesome. Because it reminded me of the Sweet Chin music because he literally did the Sweet Chin music with that sidekick to the face. Um, but yeah, as far as like right now where I'm putting it, it's like below the Yair one for sure. And I can't decide if the Jorge Masvidal over Ben Ashram one was, was better. Um, but it just looked like insane. It's like something out of a video game, but it like you have like Tev pointed this out, like you can't do that in the UFC video game. So like it's more like more like Mortal Kombat style, like kind of like crazy shit, Street Fighter. Unreal, dude. All right, next question is from Harry Andrew at Harry Andrew94. He says, Give the title shot to Aljo. No question, just a statement. Anything else in the UFC is a joke. 100 percent agree. And actually, after I um uh, after I record this, I'm, I'm jumping right onto his podcast again. Um, he actually has another one that he started. Like I'm thinking like I'm fucking ambitious doing two podcasts. This guy's doing two podcasts. Um, we're going to, uh, review revenge of the Sith. They're doing like, uh, it's like movies and they're going to like break them down and they're doing uh, revenge of the Sith. So I just watched that this morning to prepare. Fucking can't wait to rip that to shreds. A uh, question from Tricky Rickster at Tricky Rickster. He says, uh, just how good is Henry Cejudo? <laughs> I tried to imitate the Kiwi uh, dialect a little bit there. Bro, I hate answering this. I hate Henry Cejudo so much. I mean, you got to feel like that Cejudo fight definitely hindered um, Marlon's confidence a little bit. I don't know. Or maybe just, maybe just fucking sand hanging is that good that he was able to shut him down. Like, um, Tev had an amazing tweet that saying like it looked like the fucking like Seinhagen was like the white version of Stylebender and Marlon Marais was like the Bantamweight Costa because it looked like that like Costa tried something he tried a little bit but the leg kicks and the movement were just shutting him down and that's sort of what happened with um with Corey Sanhagen um he just he just really shut Marlon Marais down. I fucking can't wait to see where he goes from here. Um, I hope Marlon Rice rebounds. I do like the guy, you know. Um, I tend to hate most of all these fighters, and there's a like, like MMA Twitter is very divided on this. Like they think like, oh wow, just because he, you know, he's so whatever. Like Ali's a bit of a piece of shit, yo. Like I get that he has a beef with Ariel right now, and Ariel's my guy, uh, but. It, it's not, it has nothing to do with that. He's kind of a piece of shit. I've always hated Ali. So, yeah. 
And that's it for the, what's it called? The Twitter forum. Now let's dive right into the Threadhead Media Forum, which is uh, something I really like doing. And I, I, I kind of not want to do the Twitter forum anymore because these like live on the Threadhead Media website and you can go back and look at past forums. And it's a, it's a great way to interact and there's no time limit. You can attach you know, clips to it. It's really fucking something. But um, Cyrus King says, so how happy is Aljo that Corey San- Sanhagen took Marlon Moraes? Yeah, this, de- this is definitely alluding to um, to what I said about, you know, this being the best case scenario, like when I answered Phil's question. Uh, I would hope that it's the best case scenario because uh, to his point or what he's kind of alluding to, if Marlon had won, it would have been easier for the UFC to slide Marlon in there and cut out Aljo which would have been so fucking disrespectful. So Aljo should be happy, um, especially like Bisping uh, has always said on his show, he said like when you, as, you, as a fighter, like when you lose to somebody, you want them to keep winning because if you if you lose and, and then they keep losing, you look like a bitch. Uh, like I kind of hate that word, but like you don't look good. You look like shit because like some guy that beat you is now going on a fucking terrible losing streak. Like you want them to keep winning. You don't want to like root for their demise. You want them to keep winning. So when uh even though Aljo lost to Marlin and you should want he should want him to win in that regard, he also beat Corey. And so uh, on the flip side is like you you want the you want the guy you beat to keep winning because he doesn't look like you beat a scrub. And so Corey beating Marlin and Aljo beating Corey sort of completes that triangle like they had with Rondi or Rondi fuck's sake Ronda Holly and Misha where Ronda uh beat Misha uh Holly beat Ronda and Misha beat Holly and then they had this like sort of like rock paper scissors situation going on and that's kind of what you have at Bantamweight with those guys now which is super interesting to me so I'm super happy that Corey won uh also for those reasons all right this uh Next question is from our girl, Brat MMA, Hannah. She says, I only have two takeaways from this night. Corey cleared the way for Aljo, and oh my God, that kick from Buckley. And she asks, if you make a top five amazing things you've seen in MMA, is that on it, and what are the other fours? She's rephrasing it so it's easier. What are your top five amazing things in an MMA fight? And go. You know what? Um, that is one of them. Um, I'll tell you, and uh, some of the other amazing things uh, to witness are on it. Um, the first time uh, Alexia Olenek got an Ezekiel choke in the UFC, that was unreal. Um, Aljo getting the spladel, and then Zabit getting it the very next, um, uh, the very next uh, like fight or like an hour later in the card, like it was a couple fights after I think. Um, I'm naming them. I'm not necessarily ranking them because I don't know what, like, this is a sort of a no order because like I said, it's really hard to place these things. Um, something else that amazed me, like the, the Barry, the check, Czech Congo Pat Barry one is, is probably up there cause it's so wild and it was so dramatic when, when check kept getting knocked down and kept coming back and then flatlined Pat enough to where Dan Murgley got stopped the fight right away. But, uh, Another one where it was like a come comeback victory was Paul Craig. I mean, most of his victories are kind of like this, but Paul Craig against Magomed Ankalaev. Especially we've seen what from what we've seen um, Magomed become after that. That was his UFC debut. He's gone into like knock the piss out of um, 
Long Jambula, I think is his name. The guy that they could just call champion, which is kind of like funny now. Um, and then he did, had that knockout of Iwan Kuchalaba. Like that guy's a fucking force. He beat the shit out of Paul Craig for three rounds. And then Paul Craig throws up a triangle at the last second, locks it in. The guy taps. It didn't even go out. He tapped. And um, it was like a second before the bell rang, which was unfucking real uh, like I can remember I was following Kaposa at that time, um, before I was really an MMA Twitter and like right before the triangle, he tweeted 3026 Dagestan. <laughs> and then the fucking triangle happened. And then it was like, Oh my God, you just had to hang on for one more second. And then he had quote tweeted his earlier tweet, the 3026 one. He said, no, I'm leaving this up here because it tells the story of the fight. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it does. But that said, go Paul Craig and fuck Dagestan. Just kidding. I mean, not, but I am. Uh, is that five yet? Okay, so we had the Joaquin Buckley, the Pepper Chicongo, um, the Yair Rodriguez one. I don't want to just keep listening to the same KOs from before, but that was so wild. I had the, so I had the Ezekiel choke. Um, I think the Paul Craig one makes it five. I'll give you some more, though, uh, because th this is a great question. Um as far as just like bizarre things, um, I know that probably wasn't your question. You said amazing things. Like I'm now I'm thinking that's like shock and awe and like, wow. Um, but, uh, anytime fucking felony Charles Bennett fights and like when it, when, it, when <laughs> that one fighting King of the cage, when he just like sat on top of the cage for a bit and the ref had to be like, come down. And like when Paul, ha Paul Harris thought he got the finish and then started to celebrate and Herb Dean was like, no, 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 bro, come on, come on. Um, what's it called? Oh, here's a, here's a deep one for you. This is a, a weird ass thing. Travis Fulton. If you guys don't know who Travis Fulton and he has like 400 plus MMA fights. The guy has been fighting for fucking ever and just fights every weekend. He's an animal. Um, he was fighting this guy who Travis Fulton is like his idol. He's got Travis Fulton's face tattooed on his leg. And he has like a hundred fights himself. I forget the guy's name. Um, like if I know, if I hear it, it'll ring a bell because I'm, I'm, I'm. It's on the tip of my tongue. I, I know who it was, but I don't know his name right now. He's fighting Travis Fulton. He's beating the shit out of him, and the ref is just not stopping it. He's like pleading with the ref to stop, it. and the ref is like, "Keep going." Rather than beat up his idol, he taps. He literally like stood back, tapped the octagon, and walked away. And the ref had to stop it. So Travis Fulton got the victory from winning it's like one of those weird dq victories where you know like the guy who lost actually is the real winner but like it, i've never seen anything like it it was insane so that ladies and gentlemen concludes the forum so now let's take a uh well we're not going to take a break we're just going to segue right into it let's preview next week's card we got some amazing cards i can't believe uh ortega zombie is finally happening hopefully you know we've gotten our hopes up about this fight a few different times but Knock on wood. I think it's here. We're so close to it. Let's get into it. All right. This card actually has some bangers on the prelims. Um, and uh, I want to go over a few of them. Not all of them, but a few of them. Um, first up is Jamie Malarkey versus Fares Zayam. Bro. I don't know uh, enough about Fares to say whether or not this is going to be like... Uh, you know, whether I would favor him or Jamie. 
or whether or, whether or not it's going to be like, you know, uh, just a banger in general, regardless of who wins. But based on Malarkey's last fight, um, unless I miss another one, like the last fight that I remember when he when he fought Brad Rydell, that fight was and we all we all were using the pun. It was absolute Malarkey. It was just fucking chaos. And Brad Rydell beat the shit out of Jamie Malarkey. He was so fucking tough. And so it was just like an amazing display of of grit, and um, they they brawled, you know they they both they gave some, and I think he's taken enough time off to where that that won't like affect him too much, you know what I mean? Like sometimes when people go back to back wars, they're not the same. Like when fucking Mike Perry fought, I want to say it was Ponza Nibio, and lost, but had like a good showing of himself. And then he fought Max Griffin, and Max Griffin beat the dog shit out of him. So, uh, anyways, gotta go revisit that fight because that's uh, you love to see Mike Perry getting the shit beat out of him now. Like back then, I was like, oh, I'm sad, but now I'm like, yeah, fuck him. Anyway, um, I'm looking forward to this Jamie Malarkey fight. It's gonna be amazing. Next fight up is John Phillips versus Jun Young Park. Now, I want to say. Um, a couple of things. This is happening in middleweight. I want to say I think John Jin Young's Park's last fight was against Mike Rodriguez at 205. So he's dropping down to middleweight. Um, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But John Phillips is a fighter that I have enjoyed, and he he likes to to just slug it out and he knocks people the fuck out. And a lot of people when um. Uh, Hamza Chimaev made his debut against John Phillips. They're like, oh, I went over John Phillips. He doesn't tell you anything. I'm like, bro, yeah, he has no wrestling defense, so he's obviously going to look really bad against a style like that. But like, don't pretend that he couldn't have landed one of those bombs on the way in and it would have been all, all she wrote for Hamza. Like, John Phillips is is a fucking banger. Uh, I hope he knocks Jung Young Park the fuck out. And that's why I wanted to put it on here. Like, not for, for Park, but for, for John Phillips. Like, I hope he knocks him the fuck out so you so y'all remember who, who the hell John Phillips is. I mean, he had that problematic nickname, but he's changed it now. I think it's the Welsh Wrecking Machine now. It used to be White Mike Tyson, which is fucking... I, I heard him explain that once, and I never thought it was like, you know... I, he's just a big fan of Mike Tyson, and he wants to be known as the White Mike Tyson. Like, you know, obviously I get you shouldn't have that as your nickname, and I'm glad he changed it, but at the time I didn't think he was like a piece of shit. Uh, moving on, I think uh, James Krause versus Claudio Silva is going to be fucking incredible. Uh, if you guys have been living under a rock and uh, this is your first time listening to me, I'm a big fucking James Krause fan, like super big James Krause fan. I love it. And uh, James Krause can do whatever he wants to me. And I'm hoping he can do whatever he wants to Claudio Silva in the in the in the octagon. Claudio Silva is is a great grappler. James Cross is a great grappler in his own right, but I think he's going to keep this on the feet and he's going to pick Claudio apart. James Cross at welterweight is like a new thing, dude. I don't know why he wasted his career lightweight for so long, dehydrating himself to fight those little guys. James Cross is a welterweight. All right, moving on. Uh, this is like the segment that's going to get me canceled. I'm saying like James Cross can have his way with me. Talking about John Phillips' problematic nickname. And next up, I'm going to talk about Jillian Robertson versus Poliana Botelio. Botelio as um, uh, a really good fight because I love watching Jillian Robertson grapple. I'm just like that red hair. Something about it. Like, I just love Jillian Robertson. But I also love her personality. Um, I was really hoping she was going to beat Macy Barber. Um, I was really sad when uh, Macy Barber beat her. So I'm hoping Jillian Robertson comes back and smashes Poliana Botelio. 
Opening up the main card, we have the return of Thomas Almeida versus Jonathan Martinez. Holy shit, yo. I've been like thinking for a while, like, where is Almeida? Like, I've seen this and I just, I thought maybe like the losses he suffered, like did some damage to his career. And so I looked it up. Apparently he's just been mostly sidelined because of injuries. But there was a time when like he, he noted that he had to pull out of a fight because of like vision issues and things like that. So I hope that's fixed. Um, Thomas Almeida was like, at one point, I think like 21 and 0 or, or he was 20 and 0 and then he fought Cody Garbrandt and um, fucking just super sad that he got knocked the fuck out and then sort of never really was the same. He got a knockout win in his next fight like a TKO, but then um, that was it. He hasn't fought since January of 2018, but I'm super looking forward to, to Thomas Almeida's next fight because... Um, I, I hope he returns to that force. This is at featherweight, which is also always awesome because I, I think Thomas had made, had trouble making weight in the past, which I'm never a fan of weight cutting. I'm always a fan of guys moving up. So really looking forward to this fight. And I'm really looking forward to Jimmy crude versus Modestus Bukaskas. Um, I love whenever Jim crude fights because the Australian portion of MMA Twitter is on fire. I can't wait. Like Jimmy Crude's your boy. And uh, I love watching him too. I love Jimmy Cruz's fighting style. I hope he beats the dog shit out of Modestus Bukowskas. And I'm really looking forward to Caitlin Chukagan versus Jessica Andrade. I feel like I feel like uh, Smokey J uh, when it comes to like being a Brian, the like the lone Brian Ortega fan. Sometimes I feel like the lone Caitlin Chukagan fan. Like people like to shit on her and they don't like the key eyes like Holly Holm does. Like the yeah yeah like every strike. I love it. I'm here for it. I don't care. Like she's also like trains, uh, in my area, like train, trains with Mark Henry. Uh, she just seems really cool and I love her personality. Um, I, I love what she does. And, uh, I've just, I've never had seen anything with Caitlin that made me not be a fan. She beat the fucking dog shit out of Antonia Shevchenko. Like, holy shit. Um, this is also was supposed to be Jessica I versus Jessica Andrade, and she stepped up to, to replace her. This is Andrade's flyaway debut. This is going to be a phenomenal fight. I don't give a fuck. Jessica's going to come forward. Caitlin's going to circle and, uh, and and maybe piece her apart. But, you know, if Jessica gets inside and lands one of those fucking bombs, bro, this is going to be an amazing fight. I can't wait. And I'm really look, also looking forward to the return of Cyril Gann versus Ante Delija. Cyril Gann is an amazing prospect. He's a phenomenal kickboxer, was signed with Glory. And then uh, most of his wins, if not all of them, I think, are like by submission. He like beats you up until he can grab a limb and then either chokes you or rips your fucking joints out. Like his first one, he was be- beating the guy up and then got the fucking... Uh, like arm triangle. And I was like, that's weird. That's like a wrestler submission. Then the the last one, he was beating the guy up and then grabbed a heel hook out of nowhere in the like last seconds of the fight. Uh, which is also like, it's not a wrestler's one necessarily, but I feel like a lot of wrestlers do gravitate towards it. Either way, it's uh, not something you would expect from a heavyweight kickboxer to begin those submissions like that. Fucking incredible. I love this guy. So, Really looking forward to Cyril Gann. And this main event, dude, like all hate aside, I don't mean literal hate, I just mean like like being a hater, like haterade aside, um, this is going to be an incredible fight. 
no matter what happens, you know, Zombie's going to come forward. Uh, Ortega's going to come forward. They're going to meet in the middle. Uh, maybe Ortega's going to take him down. Zombie's a phenomenal grappler, grappler himself. Um, I don't know if he w- really wants to go to the ground with Ortega, but, um, and I'm not just saying because he got the twister, like make no mistake, go, go find this on YouTube. Korean zombie, when he was in his, um, uh, and of course, Korean zombie is his nickname. His real name is Chen Sung Jung, but, uh, I just love calling him the, like the zombie. Like there's no other nickname that fits someone more apropos than, than Chen Sung Jung as the Korean zombie, but the, go watch Korean zombie and Henner Gracie, um, grappling. Uh, Henner Gracie was teaching a seminar at a Gracie school in Seoul, South Korea that had just opened. And, um, Korean zombie was on his like mandatory military service. So he couldn't compete, but he could train and he was there learning and he kind of snuck up behind Henner and like took his back and they started to like grapple. It's unreal. There's the video is like Henner, um, commenting it. At one point he mentions like an escape that he's been doing where if someone has his back, he'll just grab the legs like, and, and, pull them off so that they have to address that and it kind of loosens the choke, something like that. Uh, amazing stuff, especially if you like jujitsu. And I got to say, like, I was a, a big Ortega fan. I kind of turned on him. I always feel bad. Like whenever, whenever Smokey J is like unapologetically standing for him, I'm always like, I wish I could be with you, but I just can't. Like, <laughs> He just rubbed me the wrong way after like some of the stuff, like when he, like some of the stuff he was saying about Max Holloway. And then when he slapped Korean Zombies translator, like that was the fucking last straw. I was like slapping a translator, bro. Like that's some weak shit, especially when you were there the whole time and didn't have anything to say and you wait until zombie left like weak shit. But, um, uh, I love Korean zombie and I, and I used to love Ortega and I was thinking about my, um, my buddy's ex, um, and I won't say any of their names, but um, we all we all used to like. No, I won't go into that. But she used to work at this um, Spanish television network, and I think it was I think the show was like Noche de Platanas or something like that. Like this it was like this crazy show, and Brian Ortega's friend was on it, and he was just chilling backstage, and she had like sent me this picture of like I got to hang out with Brian Ortega. I was like, bitch, you don't even know who that is, and you got to hang out with him. Apparently, he like grabbed a guitar and was like serenading her and shit, and I was like. Come on, you got to be serenaded by Brian Ortega. At that time, I was a fan as well. I think I became a fan of Brian Ortega from watching the Gracie breakdowns and him being on it, and then um, seeing him fight was was unreal. Um, I saw him fight uh, Clay Guida, and he he knocked him the fuck out. But before that, um, I was watching an interview with like some local like LA TV show, and. Um, he was explaining his nickname and he was like, Tengo movimiento con el posición triangulo. And I was like, Oh, he can fucking speak Spanish. Cause a lot of like, um, Chicanos in, uh, Southern California can't speak Spanish. And it's because it, like, there's like a whole dynamic of it. Like a lot of my friends have explained to me like why, and I won't pretend like I'm part of that, but, um, I know there's like a whole like controversy about it or like where they should kind of blend in or whatever, but I'm always super excited whenever they do, because you guys know me, I love Spanish. So Wow, I hope uh, I hope Brian Ortega wins now. Like just thinking about it, like that would just be so crazy. But I'm also a massive zombie fan, and um, if he beat the shit out of Brian Ortega, I would be super uh, excited as well. Yeah, dude, fuck Brian Ortega. Actually, <laughs> and I got a little, I waxed poetic a little bit for a second. I was like, 
yeah, I miss those days when I was a fan of them. And I was like, nah, I'm not a fan anymore. Um, yeah. Oh, and another thing that was, that was making me like be like sour towards him was I felt like he kept ducking zombie for a while. Like the whole contract issue was like, I feel like we've been teased this fight for so long. And I just was like, I can't do it, dude. Like he was supposed to, they were supposed to do it in Mexico city. When, when Yair fought Jeremy Stevens, like they were supposed to be the fucking main event. Like this fight has been going on for so long. Anyway, this show has been going on for so long. So I'm, I'm going to end it here. Uh, you guys have been great. Uh, much love to anyone who got this far. Um, and with that said, you can find me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. Um, you can soon find me on Patreon. I'm going to hook that up with, uh, I was thinking about doing it for this show, but I, I at least have to do it for the Broadway show. So I'm, um, I'm definitely going to be doing that. Oh, I meant to say earlier about that. Um, I'm so good at coming up with names for podcasts and I want to like to my own horn, but like fighting with myself is like a pretty good fucking name. And it just tells you everything about the show. And, um, I got the name for my girls, Chelsea and Delilah, the TKO podcast. Like I came up with that and I'm, and, uh, uh even like Rory, uh, with the no off season, like that was kind of part of my suggestion with, uh, with that show. And like, I just can't come up with a name for this theater one because initially like I was trying to think of something with Broadway, but then I realized like I want to do stuff that not all of it was on Broadway. Like it's going to be also other kind of more obscure stuff. And so I need something that's like theater oriented, but also kind of like tells you what you're getting into. I told my friend in my notes, as you guys heard, uh, I put the theater podcast is happening and there's nothing you can do to stop it. What if the fucking name of the podcast was this podcast is happening and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Super long, but I like when there's long names like that. Anyway, dude, that's it. Uh, follow me on social media or don't. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Be kind to each other. Black Lives Matter. And good night and good fights. <laughs>